I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and the streak has come to an end. We will discuss the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins are now off of their losing streak, ending it at six games with a 4-1 to victory over the Arizona Coyotes. So we will talk about that in the show. We're going to talk a little bit about Casey DeSmith, some biggest issues that this team needs to fix in the second segment, and then we'll close it out with our monthly power rankings for the Metropolitan Division. But before we get into all of that, we do need to send our thoughts out to Pittsburgh Penguins prospect Philip Hollander, a very scary moment over the weekend when he was stretchered off of the ice mid-game. Uh, so so bad, in fact, that the, the, the Penguins, the baby Penguins, decided to call the game at that very moment, I believe it was very late in the game regardless, but uh, a scary moment nonetheless, uh, especially in, you know, in a week where we saw something that we had never seen before in sports and a, a horrific injury that has thankfully come out with a, a very good ending uh, with the DeMar Hamlin situation in Buffalo, obviously very close to a lot of people in Pittsburgh. Um, but seeing that for Philip Hollander was very scary, but thankfully we do have an update that he was released from the hospital and his home resting at this moment. That's all we have, but our thoughts do go out uh, to Philip Hollander in hopes that he's able to make a full recovery and hopes that he's doing all right today. Yeah, it's not often that you see games get canceled or cut short because of injuries. I mean, regardless of level of sport either, by the way, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, we see DeMar Hammond in the NFL I mean, when the DeMar Hamlin thing was happening, I can remember thinking back, like, like, they, like clearly there's no way they finished this game, but then I remembered Ryan Shazier was paralyzed. They finished that game. Like, this is not a common thing, seeing things. Yeah. Uh, seeing games end and yeah. just canceled. Not common in any kind of sport. And that even drops to the AHL and the Philip Hollander situation. And, yeah, it was a little closer. I think there was like under two minutes left. The Penguins had already had their goalie pulled. They were looking to tie the game still. Um, so, yeah, it was much later. But still, it's uh, not common that you see this type of thing. And to see it twice in a couple days of each other between uh, a minor and a professional league, uh, that's rare. But also, yeah, freak accidents happen, especially with the Hollander situation where I mean, hockey is a tough sport, but if you find the clip, it's it's tough to see. I had to watch it a couple times to really catch it, but it's there. It's 
not an easy thing to watch and uh, good on the players and coaching staffs for calling over the medical staff immediately. immediately. Yeah. Um, and, and it's good to hear that he's back home and resting and doing better. Yeah, and I don't want to speak out of turn, but I don't even think they stopped the game when Jay Bomeister collapsed on the on the bench. I don't remember. Um, so I, you, you'd have to go double check me, uh, any listener that's listening to this. But you know, I, I don't remember them saying that they they stopped the game. They might have. Um, I just I, I can't remember at this moment. I'm but. sure they at least completed it at some point because I know we've seen a couple players collapse on the bench over the years. Um, and I know that they've at least been finished, maybe at a different time. I know I've seen that happen before. Yeah. Uh, but one thing about, like I said, about this uh, WBS game and the Bills Bengals, uh, they were just cut. They said, that's yeah. enough of that. We're not even going to reschedule it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the NFL kind of hard to schedule in week 17 yeah. to try to get one in before week 18. Yeah. And uh, and also with the Wilkes-Barre one, just a minute and some change. It ain't that real. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're worried about the player over the game. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, of course, thoughts go out to uh, to Philip Hollander. Thoughts go out to Demar Hamlin as well. It was nice seeing him uh, live tweet a lot of stuff yesterday. The entire Buffalo Bills game and a lot of the games across uh, the NFL. So, uh, keep fighting, Demar, and also uh, Philip. We hope you guys uh, get better soon. But let's get into the remainder of this episode because the Pittsburgh Penguins did get out of uh, a losing streak. Last night on a Sunday evening, they were able to go out and get a victory over the Arizona Coyotes at uh, Mullet Arena. Horowat, before we get into this, just quick word on what did you feel like watching that game at Mullet Arena in Arizona? <laughs> you know, I, I remember I texted you whenever we were playing Florida and asked about this camera angle. And then oh we popped into Mullet Arena and I went, oh, that's right. We're playing in a college arena. And, you, and it tells. It, it's a dead giveaway because that camera well is so close Mm -hmm. that you were literally watching from a video game angle it feels um but for what it's worth the atmosphere looked fun the the lighting on that ice is jarring because you know there's on ice ads that are painted on there not the computer ones that everybody hates you can't read them it looked like it was just la river not gila river which by the way shocking that gila river still has some sort of uh connection to to the coyotes after all of that um, but for what it's worth, it's, it was fine. As long as the guys enjoyed it, like Brian Russ said, it's, uh, uh it's going to feel, it's going to feel good for all the college players to kind of be back mm-hmm. in that environment, which by the way, the Penguins have 12 of, I don't know if yeah. that's more than normal. That seems like a lot though. Yeah. Uh, and that's on the active roster, by the way, that's not even counting AHL signings mm-hmm. or, uh, injured players. Cause I, uh, I may have counted Jeff Petrie. I forget if he did or not, though. Um, but there's 12 players that played in small college arenas. Just, I mean, yeah, maybe that gave him a little boost. Maybe it gave him a little something. But uh, it is a different environment, that's for sure. And just seeing how close uh, with Steve Mears and Bob Ari were. When they did that pan back on TV, I just thought it was hilarious just how close they really were. Mm-hmm. And, uh from what it looked, the media level from pictures of other people looked also extremely close to the ice. Uh, that's a fun environment. I need to see it at some point. Yeah, I, I really thought that you know, they, they're making the best of a bad situation. And honestly, the, the Carolina, or not the Carolina Hurricanes, the Arizona Coyotes are playing pretty good hockey there. They were yeah. 7-3-2 and two going into that game last night at uh, Mullet Arena, and they've beaten some pretty good teams. They beat up on the Toronto Maple Leafs earlier this week, so... 
Uh, they're making the best of a bad situation. And listen, if, if they're able to get Connor Bedard from what we saw over the past couple of weeks, whew, that's going to turn that uh, that organization around if anything else can. But uh, you mentioned college players probably felt a little bit more comfortable in that game last night. Well, Jake Gensel felt real comfortable getting two goals at five on five. His first goals at that strength since November 29th. The gold drought for Jake Gensel is over. It also leads to the end of a losing streak. Uh, just good to see Gensel get back on the board. Uh, I know um, I had talked about potentially moving him down in the lineup next to Evgeny Malkin. I still think that might be something to try. Uh, I think that's something you want to try before the postseason gets here because, as we'll talk about in the second segment, there's still a lot of issues with this team. Um, maybe not the top six last night as much as it had been, but uh, for the most part, I, I do think that you know, Jake Gensel getting back on the score sheet is nothing but positive for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They need him to be that 40-goal, 50-goal guy if they're going to want to compete, especially with the way their bottom six is currently constructed. They really need a lot of uh, a lot of goals to come from their top six. Yeah, they need that all six of the top six players, top six forwards, uh, to contribute in new and exciting ways because it had just been absent. It had disappeared the last couple of games. We saw Gensel, Crosby pick up a pair of points each. Each? Uh, yeah. I think Crosby had one. Uh, still, uh, Gensel had a pair of assists. Or, yeah, so um, in garbage time, but maybe it's something to get to get rolling. I mean, if you just look at you know stat sheets here, like I have the uh, last five games pulled up for Jake Gensel. It looks like he has four points in two games. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't look at the times. You realize that um, just collecting points at any time should be get you off of the schneid a little uh and it's all always a step right in the right direction so uh yeah the the nebraska omaha the w alum of the wchc whatever it was um college hockey's weird uh yeah getting it done at the college venue and i liked whenever i was doing the story on how they're all excited to play at Mulder and i enjoyed trying to add in like the two players that i wrote about where they went to school because mm -hmm. that's fun stuff and Jake Gensel getting it done. Jason Zucker. Oh, I forget where he went to school. Denver, I believe. Yeah, he I scored believe. scored on two. Yeah, he he was University of Denver, and everybody, of course, remembers Brian Rust is a uh, former Irishman, uh, Notre Dame fighting Irish. Uh, so, yeah, it was a nice experience, especially because the Penguins got the win. Um, and I will say this before we move on to the power play, which is, you know, we'll talk about the power play. Um Interesting road trip there. Three games, 10 days, and probably three of the most unique venues you could put together for a road trip. You had Fenway Park to lead it off, uh, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas, which is still contested as one of the toughest places to play on the road, mainly because, you know, it's Vegas. And then, of course, Mullet Arena in Arizona. So three really unique venues for a road trip, and the Pittsburgh Penguins come out with a win at the end of it and hoping to uh, build off that as they come home. One thing that they need to turn around quickly is their power play because another horrific performance, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart because there is no word that I can think of in my vocabulary to describe how bad this power play has performed over the past couple of weeks. 0 for 6 against a bottom third penalty kill in the Arizona Coyotes. Not only that, but they outchanced them 8 to 4, but you shouldn't give up four chances on the power play. So just an absolutely obsolete performance. Uh, by this Penguins man advantage on Sunday. You had every man advantage opportunity imaginable. You, know, you had your casual five on four. 
You had a five on three. It was for 30 seconds, but you had a five on three. Oh, wait, hold on. You gave up an odd man rush. Sorry, no, sorry. You gave up a breakaway on that five on three. That's not how that works. Yeah. Um, you had the double minor. Nothing. Um, I, I Listen, I, I get Mike Sullivan wants to find the positives, and again, he did. He, he went down. He In that post game. it seemed like he just listed off all of the positives yeah, all of the chances that they got. Yeah, uh, with the man advantage, which okay, great, thank you for doing that. We saw those too. Can you guys score? Now I'll get. Yeah. I'll give Sullivan his due. I mean, he says he doesn't want to overcoach them, and that's fine because, I mean, he's not the one out there, on the ice, not shooting and not scoring and not doing whatever. Mm-hmm. He can only do so much from the bench. He yeah. Todd Reardon can only do so much. You can only tell them you guys got to shoot it so much yeah so i get it i don't like that he's just kind of listing off the positives and all the scoring chances they are getting but again he follows it up by saying we don't want to overcoach it and that's fine because it's not up to him or todd reardon to score the goals it is up to them to kind of deploy the guys and go from there i don't know much about coaching but i know that (laughs) there's not so much there's not there's only so much you can do Mm-hmm. So I get it, but something about these guys has to click. They mm-hmm. need to be game changers like they were during that 10-game stretch where they were scoring. I know that before that 10-game stretch, they were pretty abysmal then, but they were controlling the 5-on-5 five five plays, so it kind of made up for it. Yeah. Now, I mean, at least in this one game, we were back at we were getting back to controlling 5-on-5, five five, but... Uh, power play you can't go six chances and not score you can't go nine like they did against the devils and not score yep something's got to go in somewhere mm-hmm. they need to score that's yeah. it. The, the end of the day that's the only analysis needed hey you need to put the puck in the back of the net when you spend i mean that devil's game they spent almost an entire period of play on the main advantage and didn't, weren't able to cash in uh, on a single goal so you just need to put the puck in the back of the net. But before we cut to break, I really quickly want to talk about Casey DeSmith, obviously thrust into the starting position uh, at the Winter Classic on Monday. Now has three games under his belt through this uh, road trip. 1-2-0 with a 2.66 goals allowed average, 895 save percentage, and negative 1.71 goals saved above expected on the road trip. He won the Penguins the last game last night. I mean, I, I, I would say you... I didn't see who got the Warrior helmet. I would say he probably deserves it because he is the reason that they want it. Either him or Jake Gensel, I guess. That one. Um, but he's also playing behind a struggling defense. We'll talk about it in the second segment, I'm sure. You know, Jeff Petrie out, Crystal Tang out. That's going to hurt your defense significantly, especially whenever Brian Dumlin is getting second pairing minutes uh, alongside Ty Smith. But has he given you any hope that he can hold down the fort if Tristan Jari is out for an extended period of time? Depends on how extended that period is, man. It's it's fun watching Casey DeSmith play sometimes because he does play with a certain level of confidence that we haven't seen since, like, Marc-Andre Fleury, whenever I say, that buddy doesn't know where his posts are half the time. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly okay as long as you're making the saves, but, you know, being in the right position. We had this discussion about Casey DeSmith last year. He plays with a weird confidence where it is. He's out of the net quite a lot. He's sprawling a lot but that's okay because he's still making the saves if he can hone in that confidence and make it a bit more technically operational Mm -hmm. um, then you're on to something really Mm -hmm. i think 
for the time being, I would say however we put it last last episode. Mm-hmm. If we're only missing them for, what did we say, six weeks, five weeks, something like that. Uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah, for Valentine's Day. If, if he can hold it down that long, that's fine. If it has to go longer, then we're going to have some questions and we got to figure some things out. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I think for now he's doing okay. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. the schedule ahead for January isn't terrible. We got Compared to du- what it was in, in late December, no. Yeah, we got the Ducks, Sharks, Senators are in there twice. I mean, yeah, you got the harder opponents like the Devils again. Uh, Capitals have been good again in the Hurricanes, mm-hmm. but um, I think that's something we can handle. It's yeah. uh, a matter of putting the pieces together, mm-hmm. and hopefully we get a little update on Jari tomorrow and things are looking positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, as you mentioned, will be back on the ice tomorrow for a home game against the Vancouver Canucks, a struggling team in their own right. So the Pittsburgh Penguins hoping to continue to get wins against uh, teams that are outside of the playoff contention in the Western Conference. Uh, Like you mentioned also, we should get more injury-related news, not that the Penguins have returned home from their 10-day road trip. But they have a lot more issues to fix than the goaltending, Horwat. So we will talk about that after the break, saying what is the biggest issue the Pittsburgh Penguins need to fix. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Berlansky, that's Horwath, the Pittsburgh Penguins, several issues to fix. But there's only one biggest issue that this team needs to fix that really isn't. Uh, But in our eyes, there's only one because I told Horwath that we're only allowed to pick one. Uh, So I'll let you lead off because I have three in front of me. I'll let you pick one because I'm sure one of yours is on my list. What is the biggest issue in your eyes that the Pittsburgh Penguins are in need of fixing? I mean, there are so many, and I know the second I say it, I'm going to say, no, that's not the biggest issue. There's another one bigger. Uh, but I'll just continue our conversation on the power play and just go on some numbers here. We slipped all the way down to, I believe, heading into the game, heading into the game against Arizona, at least the 18th best power play in the league when it was up there around 12. I mean, it wasn't top 10 yet, but it was on the rise. It was, it was getting better, uh, but tacking on six missed chances, it is now 19th. That's great. At 20.59%. They've scored two power play goals in the last 24 chances over the last six games. Listen, I understand that Chris Letang is your normal quarterback, isn't there, and you have someone brand new into the fold, but uh, that's not the only excuse you can... That's not an excuse you can use because it's been so many times now and he's growing into the position. Um, This is brutal, especially against... You know, a bottom third penalty kill, like you said, in uh, in Arizona. They were 26th going into the game. I wonder if they bumped up. 
Um, just absolutely brutal stuff because if you look at the personnel again, I'll keep saying it. When you throw out Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, maybe it's Brian Rust, obviously Chris Tang, whenever he's here, those are guys that should score almost all the time just by sheer namesake. Yeah. But for whatever reason, whether it's overpassing, whether it's unlucky opportunities or unlucky bounces, something's not giving, mm-hmm. and that just needs to needs to change one way or the other. Yeah, I, it is obviously the one I expected you to pick. That's why it was number one on my list. I just wanted to have the notes ready. But I do think that the Pittsburgh Penguins power play, they're still – moving pretty well like I I think they're rotating and and the way that they're moving without the puck is still what they were doing when they turned it around but as you mentioned in the first segment you got to shoot the puck like that's the one thing that they were doing when they fixed their, their power play fixed for that month obviously the Penguins were winning games but when they fixed it they were rotating in the zone a lot more. You saw people in different positions. You saw them always moving, even without the puck. And then they were shooting the puck and getting those rebounds. They're not shooting the puck now, which just, again, renders your power play completely useless. Because how are you going to score if you don't shoot the puck? It's an oversimplification, uh, but really, it, it is something where when you overpass, it also creates opportunities for the other team, as we saw on Sunday evening. So... I, I agree with you that it is a massive issue, um, the power play, and you know I'm not going to take it because I do think there is a, another issue that they really need to fix. Um, but I, I do agree that the power play is a massive issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and if it does not turn around, I mean, it cost them. I, I don't think it's an oversimplification to say that it, it, it cost them the series last last spring against the New York Rangers, oh, yeah. right? Forgot about that one. They had a five, a big time five on three in an elimination game that, yeah, could have held out. And also, you had to bring it even into more relevant days. The New Jersey Devils. You score one of those nine. It's a completely different game. Yeah. Um, I forget what their power play was against the Red Wings. Uh, oh, for eight, I believe. Well, maybe that was the one I'm thinking. Anyway, no, yeah, no, no. You, it was both. Yeah, they, they were went 0 for 8 against the Red Wings. They went 0 for 9 against the uh, Devils, and they went 0 for whatever last night. I mean, yeah, Six, you score seven, one. It was you score one of those. It was 0 for 2 against Detroit, but still, okay. Regardless. Um, you score one of those. Completely different game. They were in the yeah. first period. Maybe not a completely different game. Um. But you score, but it's especially against the Devils, you score one, you have a completely different game. It changes the momentum. It's there's so much that goes into a power play goal that um, you may not realize it at the time, but it could swing the game. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say you score a power play goal whenever you're down by three. Well, next thing you know, you picked up two more somewhere. It's something that needs to change because it can take games over or it can change games and swing momentum entirely. Um, I mean, we were able to walk away with a victory in Arizona, but, I mean, when you look at 0 for whatever, 6, you really shouldn't be. I mean, I guess. Hasty Smith did a great job, but you can't go 0 for 6 on the power play. No, you need to be much, much better than that. And I was trying to find the game in which they also went like 0 for 7, but I, I can't seem to find uh, it. It's, it was from a while ago, I think. Yeah, it was. But 
Um, nonetheless, I, I think moving on to, to my biggest issue, in my opinion, and I wrote about it uh, for Inside the Penguins. You can go check that out. The article is live now. They need to fix this bottom six. Uh, big yep. time. You know, they, they did get a couple goals throughout this trip. Obviously, uh, seeing Jeff Carter get a goal late in the game yesterday. Obviously, seeing uh, on Monday, having Kasperi Kapanen net a goal. But th- there is just no consistency. And I have no faith that Carter or Kapanen or Heinen or McGinn are going to be able to score at a semi-consistent level that you need from your bottom six to be contending team, especially in this division, as we'll talk about in the last segment. It's a tough metropolitan division. You need to be able to roll four lines. They did last night against a team that is literally tanking for Connor Bedard um, and were able to come out with the victory. But against these teams in the metropolitan division, the Pittsburgh Penguins just don't have the talent to roll four lines and be consistently confident that they're going to get the better of those matchups. Uh, So they need to make, I think, a trade and a call-up and have both of them hit uh, to at least start to fix that bottom six. I do think there are pieces there that could become part of a really good bottom six. I do like what Brock McGinn has showed this year. Uh, Teddy Bluger, I think, is still a very solid fourth-line center. Even Jeff Carter, as a wing, as a literal just a wing, don't let him play center unless you need him to, to win power play face-offs or penalty kill face-offs. If he's just a wing, I think there's a redeemable quality there about Jeff Carter's playmaking. Now he's never going to be faster. He's never going to be younger, but uh, I think he is what he is, and he, he's a little bit better when he doesn't have the responsibilities of a center. But I, I think when you look at call-ups, you know, I talked about trades in that piece. It was three trades the Penguins could make to fix their, bo- their third line. Um, I'll let that speak for itself. But as far as call-ups... Alex Nylander has now been here for over a year. He has yet to play a single game in the National Hockey League. He has been passed over by younger players like Philip Hollander. Valtteri Pustin had one game. Last year was Casper Bjorkfist. And I understand that you want the younger guys to come up and get their, their feet wet. But why did you trade Sam Lafferty for, for Alex Nylander if you're not planning on using him? Right? And they even re-signed him this offseason. So when you look at it, it's not like he's just, you know, middling there. He is one of the team leaders in points, him and Valtteri Pustin and both players that have combined for one game in a penguin sweater over the past two seasons. So with the way that this, this bottom six is performing, and I understand the salary cap is going to make it difficult uh, to make a move. Maybe you have to bury a contract. Maybe you have to send Danton Heinen through waivers. He's not really giving you very much. Would one of these younger guys in, in Nylander or Pustin give you a little bit more? Maybe, but it's worth a shot in my opinion. Either way, the Penguins need to fix their bottom six. Yeah, they do. It's Talking about call-ups, I know Jesse Marshall's been on this a little bit recently that for some reason young players aren't getting the same amount of um, push that uh, some of the veterans are. And he, he keeps using Drew O'Connor as an example that um, he's got skill, he's got the talent that can probably be an NHL regular uh, but the coaching staff isn't giving him the right opportunities they're not putting him out there enough mm-hmm. and if you look back at some of those names that you listed from the minors that have played in the NHL, one game three games, a handful here and there same thing's kind of going on there just they're not letting them play in the NHL mm-hmm. and for what it's worth, Drew O'Connor had that same fate for a little while until He's still in that fate, really. He's just up here because of an injury. It's a weird dynamic that this coaching staff has with these young players that 
I don't know what they're expecting them to do yeah or how they're expecting them to grow if they're not getting more opportunity in the nhl i don't i mean i don't know the ins and outs like i said last segment i don't know coaching but something seems weird about them just coasting along in the minors and not getting their opportunities with other guys getting passed over mm-hmm. um sure we're all yes we're all very excited to see what philip hollander valtteri pusin and sam Poole and Am I, miss, I don't know if I'm missing one. We're all excited to see what they can do. But we also want to see what we have in guys like Alex Nylander or Nathan Legere is a name that has kind of been flying back and forth between good and bad. We want to see what they can do, especially over guys like Kasperi Kappen and Danton Heine and Jeff Carter. Just, just looking at our bottom six, it's tough. I mean, Josh Archibald's kind of stood out this year. That's good. That's a bonus. Yeah. But he's a guy that I feel like can accept a healthy scratch every now and again if it means we're going to try a young guy. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, we can't really take out Brock McGinn at this point. But no, maybe we healthy scratch Ryan Paling. We know he's a good young player too. But hey, he's an, he's an NHL-level player. We got what we have here. Like I said, it doesn't have to be long. A game or two, healthy scratch, one of those two implement someone younger and see what they have we're not giving them their chances to see what they have that's yeah that was the, my long-winded way of saying we're not giving them their chances yeah it's weird. i mean what do you expect to see in in one or two games with six minutes of ice time like yeah how, what are you supposed to show in that time because a lot of the times you're in positions that are unfavorable as a fourth liner which we understand it is the national hockey league but like the pustin and thing he played one game. He's a point per game player in the National Hockey League. He notched an assist. Um, I just don't. I don't know what uh, the Penguins are are looking for from these guys because Nylander. We saw the goal over the weekend. It was Nylander from Pustin in an overtime to win it for the Baby Pens. It was an absolutely ridiculous goal that you see it and you say, "Well, I know it. I know it's a different level. I know there's a big jump from AHL to NHL." Penguins could use a little bit of that finishing ability in their bottom six. Really could. Focusing on the youth is something we've been talking about for so long now. Yeah, and it's so weird because long. when Sullivan was first hired, that was that was the thing. It was hey, Connor Sherry, Brian Rust, Jake Gensel, eventually Tom Kunakle, Scott Wilson. We're bringing these young guys up, and it led to two Stanley Cups. And now it's like I, I don't know what we're doing here, and I, I don't want to say this because a lot of people say it, and I, I laugh, but it's like. Come to the old folks' home at PPG Paints Arena. Watch our guys uh, skate around. But, you know, sometimes that bottom six is looking like that with the, with the Jeff Carter. Yeah, I think the difference between what we're doing now and what we did then was those were Sullivan's guys, though. That's true. He was That's calling true. up his team from the AHL. He was, I mean, Mike Volucci might still have a couple of guys down there. Maybe he should get, in, get into Sullivan's ear and say who's um, got, the, got the bones to do this or not. But, well... I think that was part of the mechanism back then was that was just Mike Sullivan calling up his guys and it ended up working out. And guess what? Now we still see he has faith in his guys, sort of. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's Brian Russ, Jake Gensel. Um, but now we're using Hextall's guys. It's not it's not Mike Sullivan's guys. It's Brian Hextall's guys. Jeff mm-hmm. Carter, Danton Heinen. And, and a bigger conversation that we will save for another day is, and I didn't even think about this, you know, all the time that we give, we give 
Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford crap because it's like, really, is Patrick Alvin making any moves for the Vancouver Canucks or is it just Jim Rutherford telling him what to do? How much of that is Brian Burke? You know, how mm. how much how much of a lot of this move these moves are Brian Burke? Because we obviously know Brian Burke is a big size, truculence guy, but. You know how much of his fingerprint is on this team because it feels like it's a lot more than we're giving uh, we're giving credit for. But that's a bigger conversation for a different day. We're gonna take a quick break. When we return, Metropolitan Division Power Rankings 4.0. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. That's Horwat. I'm Berlansky. We're getting into our Metropolitan Division Power Rankings 4.0. Horwat, I literally have no further analysis needed for the 8th and 7th seeds in mine. I have Columbus at 8, Philly at 7. It's the same thing it's been for the past two months, and it's not changing. That is exactly how it will be. All season. I mean, I'm shocked. I mean, thank God Philly had that hot start, that hot start. Yeah, um, or else they'd probably probably be around the same twenty six points that Columbus is at. Rather, they're eleven up somehow. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and that hot start was due to Carter Hart. Uh, it helps when you have a goaltender that can play and steal games the way that he was able to at the early portion of the season. But uh, just a young team that's trying to rebuild in the Philadelphia Flyers and trying to, you know, get off on the right foot and and try to build something better in, in Philadelphia. They just they're not they're not going to be good this season and the Columbus Blue Jackets still baffles me that they went out and got Johnny Gaudreau for for some reason. I mean, I guess give fans something to cheer for, but uh not much uh in Columbus or Philadelphia. So that's 8 and 7 for both of us. And now here's where it gets interesting because the rest of the six teams are all pretty good at hockey. Um so I'll go with my 6 and 5 and then we'll go to yours. Uh my number 6 team is the New York Islanders. Obviously they they crushed the Pittsburgh Penguins last week. But I still believe they are very much too reliant on good goaltending from Ilya Sorokin. They're bottom third in the league in shot attempts percentage and expected goals percentage at 5-on-5. I just don't think that overall this team is good enough to sustain over the season. Uh, I think they're much better than they were last year. Obviously, they had a slow start and got better at the end of the season. Uh, I think they've kind of leveled that out. And I really just think that they are a bubble playoff team, which is exactly where they're at. And there's a reason that the Pittsburgh Penguins could have a losing streak of seven games and six games uh, in different times of the season and still be ahead of New York Islanders in the standings. I mean, the Penguins are barely ahead of them in the standings. I mean, they're tied in points. and With a game in hand. Or two, two games I in hand. Know. Yeah, yeah I mean, two. We, got, we do have those games at hand. We do have the same amount of points. But, I mean, it's a... Uh, it's a six-dog race for five spots. Maybe, Maybe four. four. Yeah. It's not ideal. That's uh, And I'm expecting this to change. 
totally expecting this to change, but my six right now is the Penguins. Um, oh. And I get that's a big fall off from where they were, but yeah, that bot that that bottom six is tough right now. That power play continues to not give us a damn thing. While the defense is injured to hell and back and missing key players, mm-hmm. I need to see what kind. Of, I, when it's fully healthy, I need to see what kind of deployment is being handed out because it needs to be changed whenever it's fully healthy. I've wrote about it twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have the fullest of faith that that's going to happen. So mm-hmm. for me, Penguins are falling in at sixth. I am expecting that to change and change relatively soon if all things go well. Because, you know, you picked up that big momentum take momentum carrying win in Arizona. Now you have Vancouver coming up to maybe gain a little more and mm-hmm. go from there. Uh, if you really wanted to do it, maybe you could say they're a 5.5 out of, mm. you know, on the on this rating here. Because my five is going to be the Islanders for now. Kicked the hell out of us. Sure, it was a slow game, sloppy game from us. But um, I don't know. That's... Mm-hmm. If I'm hoping they're the one, the one team that misses out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the New York Islanders. It's hard to it's hard to put the Penguins above the Islanders after what we saw last week. But you know, I'm trying to practice what I pre- preach and taking my mind out of the six game sample size that we saw the Penguins lose six straight. I, I, I know that that's you know recency bias, and when you're doing power rankings, that is a lot of what you're what you're looking at. But I still think the Penguins are a better team than the New York Islanders. I think they just didn't show up in that first game out of the Christmas break. Uh, the number five team for me is the Washington Capitals, but they are severely trending in, in the right direction. Uh, I think they're getting healthy and they're showing what they can be at their best. But I also think that's what we're seeing is them at their very best. I don't think it gets much better uh, than what we've seen them do. And I know they've been miraculous uh, over the past couple of weeks. Tom Wilson is back for that team, which is absolutely huge for them. Uh, there's no understating how important he is to the Washington Capitals and the way that they like to play the game and, and what they like to do on offense as well. Uh, and Alex Ovechkin is just hitting a different level. Like He started, by his standards, slow this season. And he was still passing people. But once he got to that 800 mark, once he passed Gordie Howe, he has been absolutely ridiculous as of late. I believe he has multiple hat tricks. I don't know. He, he's leading my fantasy team uh, to, to you know infinity and beyond at the moment. Uh, but I do have the Washington Capitals at five right now because... I just can't drop the Penguins from two out of the top four. So I have the Pittsburgh Penguins at number four right now. I think they have one of the streakiest seasons that I can remember. It really went from being basically a five-game winning streak. I know you lost in in overtime at the beginning of the season, but really five really good games to a seven-game winless streak to a massive month, maybe five weeks of being the best team in hockey to a six-game losing streak again. So... I don't know what to make of this team because are they the team we saw in December? Are they the team we saw for the past six games? I don't know. I need to see them get healthy, but I also need to see them make a move to be able to compete in this division. I had them at number two last month. I'm not going to drop them out of the out of the top four, but I am going to drop them behind two other teams that I think are playing much better hockey and much more consistent hockey and are playing a brand that I think could carry over longer than the Pittsburgh Penguins have been. I just think it's really fun that you put Washington at five. I had them way higher. Okay, so who do you have at number four, and then we'll give our top threes. Yeah. Uh, My number four is the New York Rangers, and that's mostly because I just haven't seen much from them, and that's where they sit in the rankings. Mm -hmm. Um, They're above us for sure. They've fallen behind the Capitals, who I'll get into in a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the Rangers are the Rangers, I guess, for now. They're mm-hmm. definitely not as good as they were last year. Not getting the same kind of goaltending, but um, are still a force that can do something. I mean, you can't have a guy like Chris Kreider on your team and not score goals. You can't have Mika Zibanejad on your team and not, hey, Mika Zibanejad scored five goals again. Yeah, They're one of those teams that can just explode at any moment. Mm-hmm. I get that kid line is... First of all, interesting. It, last year was interesting, and then in the playoffs it did its thing. This year it is interesting again. What the hell is going on? They yeah, Lexi to... Lafreniere taking healthy scratches was not on my bingo card. I, you know, honestly, but here's the thing. Are you surprised by it? Not very much. Exactly. No. That's what's so weird. Like, yeah, you you weren't expecting it, but you're also not surprised by it. Mm-hmm. What is this team? Or that, that line, I should say. I don't know. It seems like I, Philip Heedle somehow the best one out of the three. It really does. And one was a first overall selection. One was a second overall selection. I think that's just what happens whenever a team that has supreme talent already as a high draft pick, I think it stunts their growth, uh, to be completely honest, because we remember Alexi Lafreniere, Alexi Lafreniere was one of the most highly touted draft picks of the, the late 2010s. And uh, he's a third liner slash healthy scratch for them. So Yikes. I don't, I don't know. And Capo Caco, you know, a lot of people had high hopes for him as well. And he just, he hasn't become what you expect from a second overall pick, but I understand not every second overall pick can be uh, Evgeny Malkin, but regardless, uh, let's do our top three. I'll give my, my number three first because it's New York Rangers and we've been talking about them. They are climbing up this list. Uh, I do think, you know, Igor Shesterkin at the end is the great equalizer. I say it every single time we do this because it's true. Um, him and a power play, like it's what they're banking on most of the time, and it you know it's a it's pretty good whenever it, it's it's clicking on all cylinders. So I have the Rangers at number three. I, I think that they're finally starting to show uh, what they were late last season and into the postseason. So I, I think that only means good things for the New York Rangers, which is why I have them at number three still. Uh, what is your number three, Horwat? Number three is the Devils. Okay, the old New Jersey Devils. Um. Oh, they look like a good team. Yeah, they're trending downwards and coming back to earth, and I know I'm going to keep not preying on their downfall, but preying on their downfall. Hmm. Uh, but they're going to keep also slapping me in the face by making sure we don't score on nine power play opportunities. So, <laughs> way to go, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Devils still just look like at least a good team. You know, I, Are they falling back to earth a little bit? Yeah. But they are at least they at least still have that... that uh, that had start to kind of maintain in the rankings for mm-hmm. the rest of the season, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if it can maintain, but for now, they're still a pretty good team. Yeah, yeah. I think when you look at it, yes, their results when it comes to game scores and wins and losses, uh, they've come back to earth a little bit. They've they've gotten their wins when they can. They've also taken some pretty bad losses as well. But I, I think when you look underneath the surface, you see that they're still playing at a very high level uh, at even strength. They're one of the best teams in the National Hockey League at 5-on-5, and they continue to be. They're a young, talented team that I do have questions about their goaltending. Can Vitek Vanacek continue to be uh, an improvement based on what they've had? Uh, Can Mackenzie Blackwood come back and and be good? I know I believe he's injured at the current moment, but that's that's a question mark for me. Uh, The defense, a little bit of a question mark for me. I know Ryan Graves and Dougie Hamilton, you can't complain about those two. John Marino is on the shelf now. So we'll see what they're able to do. Um, But I also think that Jack Hughes is every bit that dude. Like, he deserves serious heart trophy recognition. If the Devils finish 
in second or first in the Metro, I would not be surprised if he's a finalist. Right now, he, in 40 games played, the kid has 26 goals and 49 points. So absolutely stellar performance on pace for over 100 points for the first time in his career and leading the New Jersey Devils, in my opinion, uh, to the number two spot here in the month of January. Now, Horwat, are you about to put the Washington Capitals at number two in the Metropolitan Division? Yes, they are 8-1-2 and two in their last 11. Yeah. Whenever you said they were trending in the right direction, I went, how far in the right direction? Uh, oh, yeah. goodness. Yeah. They scored 45 goals in that time. That's why I said vastly trending in the right direction, but I still ranked them there. They are, yeah. 45 goals in that time, giving mm-hmm. up 24. You mentioned Tom Wilson's coming back. I don't, I mean, we don't know how good he's going to be. Nick Basham is back, too. Yeah. He's returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, he came. He's coming back from a, from a uh, surgery that most athletes don't play the same afterwards and don't have the same kind of skill level. Mm-hmm. But for what it's worth, that's a big deal to them. And yeah, I know they should have scored more than just one goal against the the Columbus Blue Jackets last night. Mm-hmm. But um, still, I mean, going eight one and two in your last 11, 45 goals. Ovechkin is. He's going to break the record this year if he keeps this up, guys. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing much we can say or do about the Capitals anymore. Were they the early season odd man out of the Metro? I thought so, I think. I don't remember exactly, yeah. but um, clearly they're not anymore. They're, it's mm. this, could, this season could end the same way a lot of the mid-2010s ended, and that is Washington leading the division somehow. Not somehow. Washington leading the division and losing somehow in the first or second round with the Penguins coming in at second. <laughs> a very mid-2010s ending for the Metropolitan Division might be at hand if this if this trend continues from the Capitals. If the Penguins are able to pick up their trend, who knows? Carolina falls off because they're my number one. Doubt they'll fall off, but you know where this goes. Mm-hmm. And are the Rangers are the wildcard team? I don't know. This... The Metro is a fun, 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 fun division this year. The Metro is a headache. God, (laughs) it is. Six teams. Not all of them are going to make the playoffs. In fact, two of them might miss the playoffs because the Buffalo Sabres are playing pretty damn good in the Atlantic division. But, yeah, you mentioned it at the tail end there. You snuck it in. Carolina Hurricanes are as good as advertised. They just are. They've beaten the Penguins three times because they know how to win hockey games. They're that good. Rod Brindamore has those boys playing really well. Again, Speaking of postseason awards, would not be surprised if he's in the coach of the year running once again because people love to give it to him. But, yeah, we've seen him three times. They're as good as advertised. We're going to see him again here later in this month. I'm sure they're going to be just as good in that game. And uh, they may have found their goalie, which is kind of scary because the one thing you could always say about the Carolina Hurricanes is, yeah, but Peter Morazic. Yeah, but Auntie Ranta. Yeah, but is is Freddie Anderson really going to be good in the postseason? Now it's, oh, God, Piotr the Great. Pyotr Kochetkov. They signed him to a big extension, so they're hoping uh, that he's good. Oh, speaking of, I completely forgot about the other goaltender that they were like, yeah, we're not just not going to, we don't feel comfortable giving you that extension yet. Um, and that's Alex Nedeljkovic, who was a rookie of the year candidate. And they said, you know what? It's too early. Yet they went out a couple years later and gave Pyotr Kochetkov. Maybe that's why they passed on, uh, on that goaltender. But Pyotr Kochetkov has been just so good this season. Um, and they might have found their goaltender, which... For the longest time, to me, that was the missing link. You know, this was a great team. 
but they needed they needed a stud goalie, and now they have them, and uh, it's going to be tough to to supplant the Carolina Hurricanes in the top ranking. It will be, it will be tough. I mean, the standings are they have a four, a good old four point lead over the Devils. Uh, yeah. Washington is one more point back. The Rangers are one more point back, and then there we are, a whole five back. Yay, we have work to do. Hey, you have a lot of games in the division, as I believe I stated last week or the week before. The Penguins have a lot of games against division opponents remaining. You can make up a lot of ground in those games. And a lot of games in hand. We, mm-hmm. The Penguins and the Blue Jackets are the only two teams with under 40 games played in the Metro. Yeah, We're at 39, so it's one below, but everyone else is at 40, 41. Washington's at 43. Yeah, yeah. It's something where it's nice to have the games in hand. But you have to win them. That's the big thing. And right now, Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, we talked about the game in the first segment. There's still a lot of issues they need to fix. Nice to get the two points. Nice to get off the lo- get the losing streak out of the way, back in the win column. But uh, you need to start stacking them up against each other, and you got to start playing just better hockey in, in general. Uh, part of that is Latang, Petrie, Jari all being out. Uh, but part of that is just the... The nature of the beast and the way the roster is kind of shaping out right now. But that's going to do it for uh, this Metropolitan Division 4.0. I'll read mine, you read yours, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Columbus, Philadelphia, 8-7 and seven for me. The Islanders at 6. I still don't trust them. The Washington Capitals at 5, but I'm gritting my teeth as I do that. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins at 4. The Rangers at 3. The Devils at 2. And the Carolina Hurricanes are my number one team. And uh, it, honestly, it's going to take a lot. I think for anybody to supplant them going forward in these power rankings for me, it really is going to, isn't it? They're just that dominant right now. But again, they needed something to get over that hump in the postseason. As That's I, true. Uh, as we know, the two teams that'll miss the postseason for damn sure in this division, eight and seven, Columbus and Philadelphia, respectfully. Shout out uh, Philadelphia for being way better than expected and still being garbage. Yeah, nice job. Six for me, Pittsburgh, but can easily escalate pretty quickly if mm-hmm. all things go right in the matter of a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, five, New York Islanders. Four, New York Rangers. Three, New Jersey Devils. Two, the red-hot Washington Capitals. And one, the always very warm Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, that, that's what they kind of are. They just kind of, like, stay right at that same temperature all year long. They're like, we're not going to get too high. We're not going to get too low. We're going to get... A home ice advantage in the postseason, maybe a division title in the regular season, and then we're gonna just not perform in the playoffs. Oh, he said it. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. Listen, I, I only say it because I'm disappointed in it. I wanted to see them beat the Rangers last year. They didn't. So you know what? At least they won a series, right? <laughs> At least they won a series. In the first round, I don't recall, but I know they. Oh, it was the, the, the Bruins. They got revenge on the Bruins because that Bruins team was not as good last year. No, it wasn't. I believe it went seven games, though. That I do remember. Yep. Yeah. And then they just, I don't remember it being good for them against the Rangers. But, you know, the Rangers were Team of Destiny kind of stuff last year until they ran into uh, Andre Vasilevsky. So, I digress. But that's so going to do it for <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast. We'll be back on Thursday with a full episode. Don't forget to check out the feed for mini penguins to go episodes that come out every, you know, every so often, usually try to get one out three times a week. Uh, depends on if I wake up 
very sick like I did several times last week. But uh, nonetheless, uh, that's going to do it for this one. We will see you guys later this week. Have a good one.